This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 23rd edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today I have a very special guest. I have former NBA All-Star James Donaldson. James uh, is, among other things, not only a former NBA All-Star, but entrepreneur, community leader, book reviewer. I'm going to ask you about you being okay. a book reviewer, James. I do a lot. Uh, author and one-time political candidate. James uh, grew up in Sacramento, California and played college basketball at Washington State University. He's a member of the Pac-12 Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. James had a long pro basketball career, played for about 14 years in the NBA and a few stints abroad, and uh, one year for the Globetrotters, yes. I'm going to ask you about. <laughs> okay. uh, James uh, founded the Donaldson Clinic, a health-based clinic that he owned for, for many years. Um, James was a one-time candidate for Mayor of Seattle in 2009. James is the author of a great 2011 book, Standing Above the Crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, had an opportunity to reread it today a little Thank bit, James, you. before Thank I interviewed you. you. And I just want to share on a personal note. So I've known James, I can't believe this, I've known you now for over 35 years. Yeah. And I was a you know, somewhat awkward, awkward junior high kid going to Washington State University <laughs> Cougar Cage Camp for a few summers. About 20, 25 other kids from my neighborhood went. Yeah. And James, you took me under your wing, and I got to know you, and it was just great to... Um, have you as a mentor in those days? I'll never forget getting a call from James yeah. Donaldson at my parents' home growing up uh, <laughs> as a kid. I thought I was the coolest kid in the world. And I'll never forget, James. I've got to tell you something. 1983, you took myself and a whole bunch of kids, the yeah. old Godfather's Pizza in the sure. U District. That's right. And it was the day the Sonics did a sign and trade with you to the old San Diego Clippers. I remember. Oh, yeah. So I'll never forget that. I'll, yeah. just, it, I'll just, you know, you just have memories of things in the growing up years. And of course, you remember that day. Of that, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Coach. it's just been great to have you, James. And I know you've been going through some personal yeah. challenges as of late, which we're going to ask about, ask you about. Um dealing with some clinical depression and you just, you know, so many people yeah. care about you and you have mm-hmm. so much support in the community. And, uh, we're going to talk about your career and your thoughts on all sorts of subjects, what you have going Great. on now, but James, Great. just thank you so much for coming on sports and stuff. Thank you so much, Paul. Great to see you. It's been a while since we've bumped into each other, but we do stay in touch via social media and things like that. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm just so happy to come by and do your show with you. No question, James. Yeah. We got, we kind of got in touch again in the last decade when you made your uh, political yes. run. So we've, Yes. We uh, don't see each other all the time, but we, we definitely have a friendship for many years, James. That's right. Absolutely. Well, James, speaking of, of you being a book reviewer, yeah. I'm going to just come out and ask a, a question that probably no other sports show host would ask you. You've done book reviews on books about science and history and religion. Yeah. Would you ever want to take the book review uh, stuff to a higher level? Would you ever want to do it for the New York well, Times or do it for a... You know, I, I think it, it grew out of a personal interest. I mean, I love reading, and uh, many of the books I'm reviewing are audio books, by the way. And so I'm listening to books on a, on a nonstop basis. Uh, I've got a variety of interests that I'm very much uh, passionate about. And, and I'd like to just share with, uh, with the folks on social media uh, some of my thoughts on that particular book. Uh, if it's a great read, I want to pass it on to everybody else so they, so they can be interested in it as well. And so that's how that all started. Uh, you know, I don't know if I want to get into the professional line of being a book reviewer, but uh, it's a nice little addition to my blog and everything else that I put out there. No question. I think, James, some of the book reviewers, you read the book reviews, you, yeah. you almost get scared about reading the book because mm. they're so intense and so yeah. verbose. But I think yeah. your book reviews are very friendly for yes. a lot of regular readers. And they are. So anyhow, yeah. I, I just read your book review about a book by that yeah. theoretical physicist, Leonard Krauss. Oh, yeah. I, I can Absolutely. barely understand his stuff. But I read your review of it. And, uh, so anyhow, I wanted to yeah. check. That was my first question I planned, asking more about your book. Well, I try to do a book review or two a week. So yeah. since I go through a couple books a week on audible.com, so this is a great way to do it. It's fun. 
it's fun. It's fun to read them, James. And, yeah. and you, you're inspiring me to read some more books. When Good, I read thank you, James. You were born in the United Kingdom, uh, yeah. and you're listed on Wikipedia as an English American athlete. Yeah. Are, are you are you uh, considered a British national? Well, not now. Uh, at one time, when I was playing basketball overseas in Europe, I played six years, uh, two years each in Spain, Italy, and Greece. Uh, I did become a European national at that time. I had a British passport, and I was able to play on these uh, European teams as a European national. So we were still able to have our allotted uh, two Americans, American citizens on each team. Uh, one team I had in particular in Seville, Spain, we had three of us who were you know, Americans by all, all looks and uh, and everything else. But we all had European passports because our fathers or however we were born in Europe and were able to get a dual pass, passport that way. So that's how that worked. That's interesting. How do you yeah. utilize that, that oh. being born in Britain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a great team with, with five of us Americans running around out in Spain. Uh, we had That's a great, great team, yeah, and just really had a great time together. You have a little British royalty in you, James. Oh, uh, well, okay, I guess I'll claim that. Thank you. I, this, I didn't I didn't watch the wedding, by the way. But no, I, I did not. For two I'll minutes, think. I did. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right, right. This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with an old friend and former NBA All-Star, James Donaldson. Yeah. James, you grew up in Sacramento, California, and yeah. I reread your book. And this is something I think a lot of listeners will find interesting that I... Um, was reminded of when I reread your book the other day. You didn't start playing basketball until about your senior year in high school. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I actually started practicing my junior year. And, uh, you know, the coach I had back then, Coach uh, Charles Calhoun, he was a longtime high school basketball coach. Uh, he saw me coming up through the ranks through junior high school and knew I'd be coming to the high school. Uh, I was not into sports at all. I was uh, not very athletic. I was uh, kind of actually chubby and overweight. And coming into high school at about six foot eight or so, and well over 300 pounds. So I was a big, big kid. So both the football coach and the basketball coaches just were drooling for me to get out either on the football field or the basketball. Uh, Coach Calhoun, he saw what kind of kid I was. I mean, kind of shy, kind of introverted, not really quite sure of myself. Um, Especially my, my first year, my freshman year at high school and sophomore year and then finally during my beginning of my junior year he talked me into at least coming out and practicing with the team uh behind the scenes uh he promised i wouldn't have to dress up for the games i wouldn't have to travel to the games i wouldn't have to squeeze into one of those skimpy little uh (laughs) you know basketball uniforms and so that's what i did my whole year of uh, as a junior just practice with the team every day behind the scenes Matter of fact, Calhoun, he was so... Um, he was a real mentor to you, James, that Coach Calhoun, wasn't he? He really yeah. was, and, yeah. and he really cared about me, the person. Uh, I think he knew that um, I was fragile and, and perhaps uh, vulnerable and, and probably would be, be discouraged pretty quickly if I uh, experienced any kind of failure or anything at basketball. So he took the time to actually personally black out all the windows in the gym with newspaper and cardboard so all the other kids couldn't stare in there at me and really have me feel uncomfortable in this new environment. And we did that my whole junior year. Uh, slowly but surely, I started getting a little confidence in some athletic ability, the ability to run and jump and move and 
lost about 100 pounds that year. Right, I read that. Yeah, yeah, and grew grew another four inches or so. And uh, Well, it's quite a story. You didn't yeah. really play organized basketball until oh. you were 17 years old or I so. Just, and I, I just I think that's really interesting. I mean, on, yeah. on paper, people probably think you started playing when you were two years old. Yeah, of but, course, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. It's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with my special guest, James Donaldson. I have a great production engineer today, James Gertie as well. Um, James, you you played at Washington State University, yeah. and uh, you know we only have so much time. I could talk to you for hours about your your oh, college and we, basketball. And we, career, have, we love it. Right? Yeah. We love, like, I know I'll have you back one day. We'll okay, talk good, more. Good. But but real quickly, um, you played for George Raveling. Yeah. Um, are you in touch with George George Raveling at all? Oh, of course, I stay in touch with George. He's, he's quite a, a guy, isn't he? He's he's a wonderful, wonderful mentor, role model, friend. Yeah. Uh, he's 80 years old now and still working. He's working with Nike as a, as a global marketing person for mainland China. And so I see him over in China from time to time. George was probably the most instrumental person I had next to me getting through my very difficult personal issues the last six months or so. Oh, great. Oh, oh, good. oh, oh great. I, we'd be on the phone. Uh, he helped me out good a little to bit hear. financially. He'd send me a little check to pay a bill or two. And right. he just was really right there. And he reminded me, because there was a point, Paul, where I just really didn't see uh, much hope in any future uh, for myself. And he reminded me, he said, James, you know, my greatest success came when I was 63 years old, when he finally hooked up with Nike. And he had tried for 20 or 30 years being a top-notch coach, and he was a very good coach, but never won the championships and things like that that coaches get known for. Um... And he said his big break came when he was 63, and he reminded me to keep hanging in there because my best years are still ahead of me. Uh, and that meant so much for him to really encourage me and to be there, as he always has been. He saw great potential in me when I was a freshman at WSU back in 1975. And uh, had me sit the bench the first couple of years, just training in the weight room. He was tough on you, James. He was very tough. And he was tough on me when I was going through what I was going through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He thought I was sitting around. Well, what an interesting answer to my question, James. I just wanted to know know, about your ties to George Raving. It's great that you guys are still in touch. He's been helping you out lately. We we, we will be forevermore. Still a mentor. Isn't that great? Oh, just a beautiful man. Beautiful. Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with James Donaldson. All right, James. He had a real long NBA career. I mean, 14 years plus you played several years in Europe. I mean, you played for the Sonics, the Clippers, mm-hmm. the Mavericks, Utah, the Knicks. You made the All-Stars one year. I, I know your career pretty well. Yeah. But I, I got a question for you. Um, although you probably had your best years for Dallas, if you had to pick one NBA team you had the greatest yeah. connection to is the yeah. Sonics? It would be the Sonics. I mean, that's who I broke in with. And I was just a young, still wet behind the ear kind of guy. And, you know, my wonderful teammates, Jack Sigma, Freddie Brown, John Johnson, they just really took me under their wings and just said, hey, you know, we're going to help you develop into a young professional. Uh, I had a lot to learn basketball-wise, uh, professional-wise, uh, being a young man-wise. Lenny was a good mentor to you, too. And right? Lenny, oh, Len- and I'm still in touch with Lenny as well. Right, I have breakfast right. with him once a month at least over in Bellevue. Great. And so those three guys in particular, especially John Johnson and Freddie Brown, uh, they just really kept me uh, going. They had me show up at practice early. Uh, they'd have me stay late afterwards, uh, you know, Fred bombing away from way out there. And I'm 
timing it and getting my rebounds and passing it back out to him and J.J. beating away on me. I mean, these two guys, man, I mean, it was so sad to see J.J. pass a few years ago. Really sorry. Said it's yeah, sorry. but yeah. Fred is yeah. still a dear friend, and I see him on occasion, and Lenny, of course. Jack Plus, you're a longtime man. Seattle resident as well. Yes, so. we've been around for a while now. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, But that's my that's my favorite team. If I had to go back for one year and just replay it, it'd be my first, year, Sonics, with, yeah. first year with the Sonics. Don't tell Patrick Ewing, though, it wasn't the Knicks. Though, well, right? no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I don't want to start a big thing, James. That's, no, no, fun. no. Thank you. I've thank you. Fun. <laughs> I have fun. I have fun. All right, James. So you played in uh, Spain, Italy, and Greece. Yeah. Uh, real quick question. I know you, you're multilingual. You learn several yes, languages. Do you yeah. still use those languages at all? I do. I do. Matter of fact, I still have plenty of people who speak Spanish. Uh, a couple few that I stay in touch with in Greece that uh, speak Greek. I've lost most of that, so I can have the basic introduction, high buy stuff. Uh, Italy, Italian is very much like Spanish, but right now my focus is Mandarin Chinese uh, because I've been doing so much work over in That's China, right, in China the last gosh. several years. So I'm learning Mandarin Chinese. Multilingual now. guys. I, I forgot to mention the introduction. All your the languages I love you have it, as well. Yeah. Well, James, um, I know you played, I believe, a year for the Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's interesting, James. you got a great sense of humor, but I also know you was a no-nonsense yeah. Yeah, guy, I too. I, I mean, you're, you're an all-business, no-nonsense guy, and <laughs> and know. you played for the, Glo- the Globetrotters. It's kind of a circus atmosphere. Tell us about it, that. It really was. You know, it didn't quite fit in with the end of my career. I just I toured around with them for two or three months uh, at the end of their season. Uh, it was a little bit too much entertaining, too I much showboat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we, you know, we do practice. We practice hard. We practice every day. We traveled every day. Uh, and so, you did it. So they're serious basketball guys. They really are. But it really is a show and an entertainment thing. We all have our little, our little, uh, I don't know what you, what you, our little shtick, you know, right, that right, some right. of us are, are dancing on the, on the sidelines. Some of us are setting picks and letting, uh, you know, shoot from half court and things like are that. Are you glad you did it overall, though? I did. Yeah, I was. I, I had great memories with the Globetrotters. And uh, those guys are wonderful guys that I had a wonderful time wrapping up my, my basketball career well, with. Well, it's, it's fun to hear about that. I, I've never talked about your, your, your Globetrotters. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was fun. It yeah. was a lot of fun. Well, James, I got a serious question. We're, we're going to go back to. To, to what you're doing now and, and some yeah. of the uh, personal things you're going through. But um, there's talk that Becky Hammond, former NBA yes. star, yes. I believe the current assistant of San Antonio Spurs, could be the first female NBA yeah. coach. Uh, what do you think, James? Is, is the NBA yeah. going to have a female woman coach real yeah, soon? I, I believe so, and I believe it will be Becky. I mean, from all the talks I've heard, the conversations I've heard, she is really next in line or the first in line to be the first women basketball coach at the NBA level. I think it'd be great. It's been really good that she was groomed by Greg Popovich and uh, under his tutelage, working with a great team of characters over there at San Antonio. Of course, San Antonio always seems to get the, the high character guys and the, right. great, the great players too. So that's a really good way to break into the league because those guys, if they show her respect, the rest of the league will follow and show her respect as well. Do you think Becky will be treated well by the players and the NBA community if she is the first female? I, I think coach? so. I, I think I think she'll be embraced with open arms. Good. Uh, you know, Good. I think I think the challenge I see, though, is when times start getting tough, uh, they're not winning enough games, she's having to bear down on guys and really get them to perform at a higher level, that might meet a little bit of resistance simply because it's the first and the first time around doing this kind of thing. But I think once she proves herself and she shows that she can handle the guys, the guys respect her, it'll be a win-win. Now, a different situation, but she could be in a way like the female 
Jackie Robinson in a way. I mean, in a way, in for, a way. for I mean, coaches, yeah, for, for coaches, coaches, for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have female referees out there running That's up true. and down the That's court. That's true. And just food for thought, James. I mean, there's there's male WNBA coaches. Why can't yeah. there be a female NBA coach? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, this this is the world we live in now, and I'm glad the equal opportunities are finally rolling about for everybody. I would agree with you, James. Yeah. Well, James, um, you had a long run at the Don- as the owner of the Donaldson Clinic, and yeah. tell the listeners how you started that clinic. I believe it came from your own injuries, right? It was back in 1988 or 87, I believe. I had a ruptured patella tendon in my right uh, my right knee. Uh, that put me on the shelf for about eight months or so. And during that time, I was going to physical therapy just about every day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. And uh, I was surrounded by all these wonderful physical therapists, personal trainers, uh, nutrition folks, uh, you know, rehab doctors. And they all kind of like Humpty Dumpty put me back together again. Uh, I did my part as far as the hard work and, and making sure I rehabbed and strengthened everything the way it needed to be. But during that time, because we were so uncertain what my future would be in basketball, uh, not many guys would come back from a ruptured patella tendon. This is the main uh, muscle and tendon you need for running, jumping, stopping, breaking, everything else. Um, Not many guys would come back. So at that time, I was starting to plan and say, well, I think I can come back. But if I can't come back, what am I going to do? I was 32 years old at the time. And... um, the thought of physical therapy for folks who had been through something similar to what I was going through came to mind. And I said, wow, this is it. This is what I really want to do. Set up a physical therapy clinic. Uh, a and ser- look how many people you help going oh, through your own injury. There, was, yeah. there were tons yeah. and tons. I mean, thousands a year that we saw and re- rehabbed uh, throughout. And we ran the Donaldson Clinic for 28 years oh, up, yeah. in, up into run. this year. It was a very long run, a yeah. very successful thing up in Mill Creek, Washington, just yeah. north of Seattle. Right. You had a great run with it. So, James, I have your uh, 2011 book, which I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. Standing Above the Crowd, A Success Roadmap for Achievement in <laughs> Sports and Life. Great book. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's not just for basketball fans. It's a really good book about life. Right. And, James, I, when I reread your book the other day, I noticed that I don't think there was anything about mental health issues in that 2011 book. No. Were those issues not on your radar at that time? They really weren't. They really weren't. I think now we're seeing uh, features on ESPN and, and other things uh, with Royce White, uh, one of the top brown draft picks. Uh, I want to say 2011 or so he came out of college, Iowa State, to the Houston Rockets. He had some serious issues with anxiety and depression and fear of flying and those kind of things. Uh, the NBA just wasn't quite ready for it. Uh, and so they gave him a little bit of lip service when it came down to making accommodations for him and his situation. They just didn't seem to be able to meet at a mutually beneficial way. And so he ended up playing overseas and up in Canada currently. Uh, still a great player. But, you know, those other teams that he found outside the NBA were able to make accommodations, such as taking a bus ride, maybe eight or ten hours instead of an airplane. You know, things like that, which really probably doesn't work too well with an NBA schedule. And so that's one of the things. So back in those days, no, mental health was not talked about. But I was down at the All-Star Weekend in February in Los Angeles, and Adam Silver came to our board meeting. I'm still a board of director with the retired NBA Players Association. Uh, Adam came in, and his opening statement was, mental health is the next area that we want to be one of the forerunners on. Uh, we want to provide better mental health services for our players, for the retired players, and everything else. And so he laid out all of that, his thoughts on that. 
Um, we the, the NBA is still working on that. The Players Association is actually a little bit ahead of that. Uh, just last week, the Players Association uh, put a statement out saying Keon Dooling, a uh, former NBA player, was now going to be the director of their new mental health program that they are putting together. So the league's being proactive on combating mental health issues. The, the yeah. Players Association is, yeah. There's a little difference between the Players gotcha. Association no, and the saying. NBA. And I'll be working closely with the Players Association. It's great to hear, James. Yeah. If you were to ever write a new edition of your 2011 book, would you, ha- I, would you add a section on mental health issues? Well, yes. And actually, I'm putting together a new book uh, based on my experiences over the last seven months or so. I great. mean, this was, Paul, I don't know if you followed my stories or not, but... I was entering in some of the deepest, darkest, scariest places uh, that I had in, in all my years on this planet uh, to the point where I'm really contemplating uh, ending my own life via suicide. And um, So sad, James. It was very, very scary. I had a, a huge IRS issue that still is saddling me with hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, determined debt. Uh, I had a... Uh, personal relationship that that just ended suddenly without any warning and she took her and her little nine-year-old boy and packed up and moved on Uh, the Donaldson Clinic was financially struggling and finally went upside down and out of business Uh, my health was iffy and up and down from time to time 2015 January I had an open heart uh, emergency open heart to ask about that yeah yeah and that was a aortic dissection which was uh, 98% fatal if it burst and they caught it just in time but I spent two and a half months in intensive care over at Swedish so all these things were playing around in my mind throughout 2017 and by Thanksgiving 217 I was not able to sleep through the night anymore uh, four or five nights of that, and I, I, I realized it wasn't me. Something was wrong. I called my family physician, and I thought he was just going to prescribe a simple sleep aid to help me get through the night. And once he started probing and talking about all I was going through, he said, Wow, James, you are under tremendous stress. You have tremendous anxiety. You have depression, and you're having suicidal thoughts. Uh, we need to get you uh, help immediately. And he went to work on prescribing medication, a behavior health counselor. Uh, I rounded up several of my friends, my close friends nearby, and I asked them to check in on me two or three times a week. Just give me a call and see how I'm doing and how well, I'm doing. Well, when it rains, it pours, James. You just went through oh, so much stuff. Those I mean, were I mean, big life-impact really life things. Paul yes. Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue, right with my special guest, James Donaldson. James, I know you, you just mentioned a heart issue you went through yeah. in early, I think it was early 2015. Yeah. And I've read, I'm, I'm no expert on, on uh, health care issues, but I read that, that uh, people who go through heart issues that yeah. depression can often result in, yes. in those kind of issues. Yes, right? this is very, very true. Uh, my cardiologist is, has shared the same kind of uh, experiences with me. Many of his patients have gone through, especially open heart surgery, and especially when you're hovering on that line between life and death. Uh, your body goes through this fight or flight scenario over and over and over. Uh, fighting in one instance to stay alive and it's being kept alive mainly by medical technologies we have now Uh, but at the same time in a flight mode where it's looking for an exit ramp to basically go off and shut down and die and so this plays throughout I mean the whole time I was in intensive care probably the whole 2015 when I had my surgery and then when you have big life pressures come after you like divorce or finances those things kick you right back into that fight or flight mode. And that's the same thing I was going through. 
uh, fighting to try to figure it out at 2 in the morning uh, and not sleeping the rest of the night. But at the same time, in a flight, thinking it'd be better off if I just ended the whole thing. And it's very, very scary, Paul. Very and, scary. and unless people have gone through it, I've gone through it, and I want to be a voice and an advocate for anybody else who's going through a similar situation. Well, James, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt you're going to take these horrible experiences yeah. you've gone through and, and become an advocate for helping other people with this, mental health issues and exactly. depression. James, I, I, I just have no doubt that this yeah. is going to be something you're, we're going to help many people with. Thank Real you. quickly, James, I mean, you ran for, for a political office in 2009, and uh, we're hearing a lot about the, the homeless issue in Seattle, yeah. and I think there's definitely a mental health component to the homeless Absolutely. issue. Um, just any thoughts real quickly, James? We don't have a lot of time left. Any quick thoughts on the head tax or any quick thoughts just on how to address uh, wow. some of the mental health parts of homelessness? Well, you know, I, I had a business, a physical therapy uh, location on 23rd and Jackson. Remember it well. Right there in the central area. And uh, it struggled from the start. I mean, we're trying to serve an underserved uh, neighborhood and a financially distressed neighborhood. But, you know, we were keeping it going by supplementing it from the nice, nice suburbs of Mill Creek, basically. Um, I don't think I would ever want to do business in the city of Seattle again. Not with head taxes and taxes going sky high and they're coming after businesses left and right to help support causes like the homelessness, which is a very important cause to to try to find a remedy to. I don't know if there's any simple remedy. Um, but, you know, this is really getting to a point now where we have the haves and the have-nots here in Seattle. You don't like the head tax. You don't like the mayor's compromise. Not, not at all. Okay. Not, not at all. Not at all. Okay. And I think that's going to keep a lot of businesses from considering Seattle in the future. Matter of fact, uh, Tacoma News Tribune has been having some articles over the last week or two stating that now Tacoma is being a very viable option to I'm Seattle. That. I'm seeing that. And why not? And James, I mean, again, we're not going to solve it all with a couple minutes left in the yeah. show. But I mean, the, the the mental health component of the homeless issue yeah. is probably something you can understand more now, right? Well, I, I think so. Uh, you know, mental health is is an, a wide array of different levels, different degrees of. Uh, mine was really caused basically by uh, life instances that stacked on top of me one after another. But a lot of people have, you know, chemical imbalances. They have. Uh, uh, you know, substance abuse issues. Uh, they might have real live mental issues. Uh, you know, uh, it's very broad mental health issues. It is very, very broad. And so, unless somebody really goes under some serious diagnosis to try to understand exactly what's going on and why, I'm watching a great documentary on HBO right now called the uh, the Dangerous Boy, and it's about our young kids. Uh, you know, ten to fourteen years old. And so many of them are really, really struggling with mental health issues. Uh, I'm working with the state of Washington and a lot of school districts around the state. You know, did you know we have two suicides per day in the state of Washington awful. for school-age kids? Awful. Well, James, you know, we're winding down. I'm going to have you back again, hopefully in the near Good. future. Uh, uh, tell us what's in the future for James Donaldson. Well, I think with this new experience that I've gone through, I, this is my next chapter in life. Uh, I want to get back out there on the professional speaking tour and, and on the circuit around the country talking to folks, especially young people, especially athletes, student athletes, uh, professional athletes, former athletes, 
business corporation folks about mental health and mental challenges that we all go through. So that's my next thing. I want to put a book together and have that ready to go as well. So I can see doing that for the next 10, 15 years of my working career. James, you got great stuff ahead, and you've gone through a lot, but I want you to know I will always be a, a friend. you got many other people yeah, I know. You've been friends. wonderful. And James, thank you so much for coming on Sports and Stuff. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so you much. Thank you. We'll you be for... in touch.